Okay, the Rebbe is explaining what's the machle? And that's a machle that's existential and affects everybody, even the Tzadik Gamor, unless the Ebeshter takes it away. That's exactly what it says. The Ebeshter will take it away. It's not something that someone through their own Aveda can do. Similar to uh, similar to Nevuah. Nevuah is not something that a person can ultimately bring about in themselves. They reach a certain state, and if the Abishta decides to give them Nevuah, so he does. Is this our last class? No. No? When's the last? Next week? Next week, yes. Okay, I'm saying no, I have to prepare myself emotionally for this. Because you come around in the afternoon, it means I won't even see you. Maybe I won't have you in class. That's one thing, but I won't even I'll see you. I'll make sure. I'll make sure. Yud Shvat. Yud Shvat. No, formal goodbyes are the worst. Then I cry and it's embarrassing. Come on. That'll be embarrassing. Yud Shvat, you'll come to Fabre. Yes. I'll see you at the Yud Shvat. Bezrat Hashem. Okay, so the Rebbe explains that that last level comes from above. And certainly relative to Benonim and anybody who's less than that. Right. And the Rebbe says that this level, look, four lines up in the bottom. We, we read it, but we'll see it. Hasara Samachla, the removal of this machla, the Hergishatzme. It's not something that a person can do through their own avoidance, through their own abilities. Ki'im, but rather, al yadei amshocha nailus b'yesu, through drawing down a very high level of godly light, meaning Kashmaru does it. Valzen nem ar vasiroisi daikas, just like Nevoah, right? Easiest example, learn the Rambam and Nevoah. So the Rambam's lotion in Nevoah in is that the Kashmaru minna beh b'nei adam, he causes Nevoah in people. In other words, Nevoah is not, you, the, the Rambam explains that a person works on himself and comes to a very, very serious level where he's a, a kli, a vessel fit for such a thing, and then either, either there is or there isn't. Centuries without Nevoah, right? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years without Nevoah. Okay. So what does that mean? There was no one serious in all, all those generations? Lots of serious people. Rashi wasn't serious, the Rambam wasn't serious, they're all very serious people. There wasn't the Vuh, for whatever reason. Kaddish Baruch didn't give them the Vuh to anybody. According to the Rebbe, when did the Vuh return? It's unclear, that, I mean, based on the on, on the Sikha, the famous Sikha, Parsha Shaftim, the Rebbe says the Vuh comes in order to prepare the world for Mashiach, so the Rebbe refers to the Friedrich Rebbe as a Nafi. The Rebbe asks that that be publicized everywhere. It wasn't. <laughs> Evidently. As Chassidim were nervous, didn't know exactly how to publicize such a thing. Mm-hmm. I once sat in a class with a serious rabbi, who was a serious, serious guy. He knows what the Rebbe said. And someone asked, and, and it's clear from that sicha that the Rebbe seems to indicate that he is also a Navi. He doesn't say it by favorish, but it, it, I mean, that's probably the conclusion most people would come from. But it doesn't matter. The Rebbe says it about the Friedrich Rebbe explicitly. So the, the, the young man would ask this rabbi if, uh, if there's nevuahs again. And he said no. I don't know how you say that. <laughs> if you're a Lubavitcher, if you're not a Lubavitcher, I understand how you say that. Lubavitcher I don't know how you say that. Since the rabbi said, It's edited. Not only did the rabbi say it, it's an edited sicha where the rabbi edited it and put it in front of the Never refers to the free the Rebbe is a Novi. 
And what's the fruit of the Rebbe's Nevoah? Lalta Lechuva, Lalta Legula. Regarding the Gula. <coughs> immediately the Chuva, immediately the Gula. This immediate is taking a long time, but uh, it's still going to be immediate, I guess, in the rearview mirror. Valzen Daika. I will remove Miloshan Nechach. First person. Shekayal Atzmas Amasayin Tzavarach. Kanal. That's the Atzmas that we mentioned earlier. The ma of it, its whatness, right? Which you would say is its being, its true being, right? But it literally means its whatness, like what is it mamash, right? Its true being, right? That's ma'os. And we say about higher levels of elokus, certainly about atzmos, that we know, that what can we know? We know its mitzias. And we do know its mitzias, we're talking about it. We know its existence. We know that such a level exists, but we do not know its mahus. We don't know what it is. We can't describe it in any way, shape, or form, but we do know it's, it's Matthias. We know there's such a level of reality. Yeah. So what is it? Describe Atzmus. Can't really say much. Right. I mean, say a few things, but I mean, ultimately, even when we say what we say, so we have no clue what that looks like, what that could possibly be. No, we have no point of reference whatsoever for Atmos. For infinite reality, we have a point of reference. It's called finite, so we can call it infinite. We know what it's not. We can describe it in those terms. Atmos, what isn't it? What is it? What isn't it? It's not infinite, so therefore I can't describe it that way. It's not finite, I can't describe it that way. It's the source of both, okay. It doesn't have a beginning, what does that look like? No purpose. Yeah, it just is absolute being, and that's what it means to believe in God. Believe in a creator? Okay, I mean, obviously that also is what you and I call a muna, but but that's something that my intellect can understand very very clearly. And as a matter of fact, I could have a conversation with someone and talk to them about the fact that it makes perfect sense that there's a creator of the world because where have you seen anything that just happens all by itself without someone making it happen? And in our experience, there's no such thing. Right? And that's talked about by philosophers, right? By Jewish philosophers. Right? You know, go walk past the building and tell the person that the building just showed up all by itself. So the person will think you're ridiculous. Okay, right? Say that. So you walk by a world. The world just showed up all by itself. Well, that's a ridiculous notion. It came from somewhere. Everything comes from somewhere. Okay. Well, almost everything comes from somewhere. There's one thing that doesn't, that's Atzmus. That's very hard to understand. What does that mean? Why is it there? No reason. What does it do? It just is. I mean, it does. What does it do? It decided to do. It decided to become the source of infinite godly light. But that was a decision. That's not a, a, you know, an existential state of being. What's it, what does a decision mean in Atzmus? What does that mean? Because once you talk about a decision, aren't you talking about talking or, or uh, about thinking or wanting? Isn't that already revealed godly reality? Yeah, okay, yes, we have that issue. What does it mean Atzimus wants? Desire, want is already a revealed state of being, and Atzimus is beyond that. Atzimus has a taiva. What does that mean? Again, once there's a taiva, so that, that, that you and I would call taiva in spherology, we'll call it keser. 
I know what that is. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very close to who I am. It's not me, Mamish. It's my, it's my desire. It's not me. So we say Atzmus wants. Contradiction in terms. But we have no other way of this. We can't talk about it any other way. So you end up with that contradiction in terms. Say, okay. That's Atzmus. <laughs> That's what it's about. Quite astounding. And, and, and that's the level of elokus about which there's no place for seichel, it's all emunah. Higher than seichel. You and I, again, you and I can have an intellectual understanding of the fact that such a level exists. Say that, 100%. What is it? I haven't got a clue. V'kol inyonim All these aspects of reality that we've been talking about in Ruchnius. Here the Rebbe took a Pusik that's talking about two physical states of being, an Akara and a, and a, and a Mishakela. And it's talking about serving God and, and, and within the context of all the physical benefits of that, right? The rewards one will get in Eilam Haza. Simple Pshat, like we said in the first page of the Maimur. Simple Pshat in the, in, in, in the Psukim. And the Rebbe explained the, it all for the last ten pages, it's all Ruchnis. It's all ruchnis. It's all talking about different levels of spiritual attainment and how to do it. And it, it tells us what it is and how to, you know, and how. And unbelievable, two psukim. But then the rabbi says at the end of the mind, "Makol in yoni All of these incredibly spiritual levels that we've been talking about nimshachim gam begashmis should be brought down into gashmis, into physicality. Hain benegel mazena revicho, both regarding an abundant parnasa. People should make a good living. Regarding this, it says your, your bread and water should be blessed, right? Simple shot, like we said in the first page of the Mimer. Also relative to health, physical health. We've been talking about spiritual health. The Rebbe says it's also relevant to physical health because that's simple shot in the Pasuk. Again, similar to the first page. Right, that I'll remove sickness from your midst, you'll be healthy, and not only that, I'll fill up your days, I mean, not only that, not only will you be healthy, but you'll live a long life. So lots of healthy people could theoretically pass away young. No. Or you could live a long life, but be sick the whole time. No, no, both health and long life. And also relative to children. And this says that you won't mourn the passing of children, and you won't be barren. You'll have children, and they'll live. The kozeh and all of this is nase achona, the spiritual aspect of it and the physical aspect of it, is a preparation le'inyan kenisa sa'aretz to the whole notion of entering Eretz Yisrael because that's what's discussed immediately afterwards in the pesukim. Shall zem adubar hemshachaksuvim in 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 mishpatim. That's what's talked about at the end of parshas mishpatim. Kainti alanu so it should be for us bimheru bimenu ayde mashiach zidkena. Okay. Quite a mimer. Now, before we talk about the mimer, go through the mimer. The, the Rebbe then said a sifra. This mimer began the Fabrengan. That's that's not always the case. I, you know, I don't know the statistics, so I'm not going to tell you. It's you know, I'm not. It's it, it is. There's. It, it's definitely not usually the case. Right? Usually, the Rebbe would start with a sifra, and then there would be a mimer somewhere in the middle of a Fabrengan. Right? This Fabrengan started with a mimer. The mimer we just learned. Mishab is parshas mishpatim tafshin yud base. 
68 years ago when we hit Parshas Mishpatim in another five weeks. Less, four weeks. Exactly four weeks, right? Shabbos Mishpatim is usually Shabbos Parshas Shkolim, which is Mavarchim Chodesh Adar. So we just had Mavarchim Chodesh Shvat, so another four weeks are Adar. So that's what it says at the top. So now look. That's what's interesting about learning a mimer out of these books. Right? What's this? Taurus Menachem. You should make it your uh, habit that you also, not only do you learn Lakute Sichas, which are the Rebbe's Sichas as, as written works, right? meaning what the Rebbe said is taken and turned into a written work and printed as a written work. Incredibly important. The Rebbe referred to the first two volumes of Lakute Sichas as my Shulchan Aruch. Right? Meaning, you want to know what the Lubavitcher Rebbe wants from you and what Aved is about? Learn the first four volumes of Lakute Sichas. Pick a volume now, pick volume Aleph. So learn volume Aleph, learn a Sicha, even if you don't learn a whole Sicha, learn a part of a Sicha, because the Sichas in Chelek Aleph and Beis are, are, are divided up into smaller Sichas. Learn every week a Sicha from Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet. Aleph, Aleph is, is Bureshi Shmes V'Yikra, Beis is Bemidbar Devarim, Gimel is Bereshi Shmeis V'Yikra, and Dalit is Bemidbar Devarim. You go through the Torah twice. There's one Sicha on each Parsha. Hey starts, that's only Bereshis, and that's th- two or three Sichas on each Parsha. And that's how it was printed the whole rest of the way through Lakuti Sichas until Chelet 39. But, but the first four are going through the Torah twice in two volumes. So there's one Sicha for each Parsha, and, and that Sicha itself in the first two Svarim is usually divided up into smaller sikhas. So even if you want to do a column or a column and a half, there's a, there's a sikha, an idea. And those are that, basically the Rebbe laid, the fra- laid out the framework of, of how the Rebbe sees life in Aveda. Though that's where it is. No sikhas. So it's very, very important to learn Lakute sikhas. It's very, very important to learn Waimara. It's important to look in egress, read the Rebbe's letters, see how the Rebbe deals with people on a, on a, on a more personal level and the problems they have and the questions they have and then how the Rebbe is, is very supportive, also very challenging. Depends on who he's talking to. Right? The person doesn't look like a Lubavitcher, so generally the letters are very, very supportive. If it's someone where you look at the bottom and you recognize the name, it's a famous Lubavitch family, usually the Rebbe will say, I don't understand exactly why this is happening and this hasn't happened and I haven't heard from you and you didn't do this and how could it possibly be? And uh, nope. Those are the letters. <laughs> Everybody else gets nice. Oh, terrific, wonderful, great to hear. Right. General talks to his soldiers differently than he talks to the press. Right. Okay, so... In, in, in another thing you should learn are, are, are the Svarim. I mean, Taras Menachem. It's called, and they've, they, they, or, or it, it, what is it? It's just the the they're writing down of the Sichas and the Maimarim in the Fabrengans over the years. So it's not necessarily edited, and it's the Rebbe just talking to his Chassidim, and it's a whole different type of limud, completely different, and very important to see. It's different than Lakuti Sichas. It's a Fabrengan. Just the, the the writing down of a Fabrengan. So you're sitting in a Fabrengan with the Rebbe. You're just reading it. Okay. So now at the beginning, here's the beginning of this Fabrengan. After this mimer, so then what's printed? The Fabrengan. So you'll see the order of things. And it's really quite astounding. Everybody has the page? This is the next page, right? After the end of the mimer. If you don't have a copy, I'm sorry, but it's, you know, we made 25 of them. A lot of trees were Mason Effish for this mimer. I don't know what happened to them, but. 
Kroid Gedusha Sadma Shlita Tziva Lanage and the Rebbe commanded to command it, meaning said to sing the what to what to sing the nigan that's sung before a mimer. The Amar Mimer Diba Maskalesi Meshikela. The first thing the Rebbe did was look at look at the people in the Fabrengan and say, you know, sing them the the the, the, the nigan that we sing before the Rebbe says a mimer. Which you know, right? Because it's often the niggin that's sung before a mimer here at uh, 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 Shabbos in the afternoon. Or by bar mitzvah, boy, it depends. There's two basic nigunim, niggin hachon or, or another niggin that we sing before a mimer. So they sang the niggin, and the Rebbe said the mimer that we just finished. Achrei a mimer. So after the mimer, that was fast, right? We just went through uh, the whole mimer in the Fabrengen. Tziva kveik yusad marshlit alemer l'chaim. The Rebbe said to say l'chaim. Then the Rebbe said the following, which I think you will find quite fascinating. That's why we're learning it. Nizbar barucha ba maimer. It's explained at length in the maimer that we just heard, we just read. We just learned this maimer. And, and the Hasidim sitting at that for bringing just heard the maimer. Shetaras a Hasidis, Dereshis, demands, Sha'adam yase beseche base vlad, that a person should make within himself a base vlad. Right, the base blood being the fertile ground to give birth to something. In a woman, it's usually called a uterus, right? But the, the base blood in, in Ruchnius was the fertile ground in his brain, right, in his intellect, to give birth to midas. And what is that? The Rebbe explained. Its content in a veda who is intellectual excitement. We spent a great deal of time talking about that and understanding what that is relative to the relationship between mechin and midas, intellect and emotions, and how those two completely different worlds can connect one to the other. And afterwards, and afterwards there will be also the birth of the child. What's the, what's the birth of the child? What is that in Ruchnius? What are those children? Fear and love. Avanira. Right? That's the giving birth to Ben and Bas, the son and the daughter. Ava being the son, Ava being the source of positive action, masculinity, and, and, and Yira being the source of inner power, femininity. Ben Bas. The giving birth of the child, Avanira. And this is drawing down in a revealed way in the heart, meaning that the Avanira felt in the heart, the person experiences those emotions. Why does he experience those emotions? Because he's come to an intellectual appreciation of the greatness of God. He's excited about such an idea. He experiences an, emo- an, an intellectual emotion, so to speak. He experiences an emotion about the idea. He finds the idea exciting. That ultimately gives birth to the ability to bring that idea down into a state of revealed emotion, love and fear. And together with this, it's another word for demand. Had their sviyasarotsan, a lack of satisfaction, again, not a lack of simcha. The person is doing everything but simcha, but he's not satisfied. He never says it's enough. It's never enough. As long as Mashiach is near, it's not enough. Mitzad Gaidel, and also in terms of the person's own personal reality. He's got another day of life, so how can it possibly be that what he did is enough? Why is he alive if what he did is enough? He was to just woke him up again in the morning. He said, Maidani, so what now? Well, I've, I'm finished. Finished? We retire from life? 
Right? Rebbe Sully does not believe in retiring. Letter after letter in Egress to you know, older Rabbonim who wanted to retire, and the Rebbe talks about the fact that retirement just doesn't exist, no such thing. Heder Sviyas Arotzen Miyavidose. By the way, we're just chazering the Mimer. After, right, that the, 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 the person shouldn't be satisfied because we know that satisfaction will bring to a, either a limitation of the love, because the person doesn't try to internalize it more, or it'll disappear altogether. And how is it that a person manages this? So the Rabbi told us on page 332, right? Mitzad because of his great involvement. He's working very hard. The again, being very involved. Bamilu Ishlichas and fulfilling Ishlichas. And doing what he has to do. Sent the to do something. He's so busy doing it that he doesn't have time to think about where he's holding his Ratzon, his Seichel, Bechule. Right? The Marshal of was a soldier. A soldier doesn't think about how well he tucked his pants into his socks above his shoes and how well he's holding the gun and how his, his little hat is on just right, right? And his boots are shined just right and oh, he tied them just perfectly today. He doesn't have time to think about that. He's got real life issues to deal with. There's someone trying to kill him and he's busy being a soldier, right? Making sure that person who's shooting at him doesn't hit him and making sure that the people he's protecting are protected. He doesn't have time to think about where he's holding as a soldier. Doesn't have time for that. Okay. So now look what the Rebbe says. After that short little synopsis of the mimer that we just spent, what, uh, three weeks? Or however many? No. Uh, yeah, almost three weeks. Right? At first glance. Kaven. Now look what the Rebbe says. It's really unbelievable. Kaven shenid melanu. Since it appears to us. Vakachiemis, and it's true. These things that are said are very lofty and wondrous, extremely lofty and wondrous, amazing things, meaning this level of Aveda that is demanded in this mimer is really quite astounding. How could it possibly be? Two words of, of demanding, asking and demanding. How could it possibly be? That this is asked and demanded as a dover, this thing, from every single Jew. Now, why is that a strange thing that the Rebbe just said? How could it possibly be that we can do that? You don't find that strange? Who just told you to do it? The Rebbe. Immediately after telling you to do it, he goes, Whoa, that's crazy. Who can do that? Well, you said it. I don't understand. Aren't you the one who just told us this? So why in the world are you now the one asking and going, whoa, that's really something. How do we do that? Well, if you have that issue, why are you telling us this? And if you ever wondered what the difference is between a Mimer Chassidus and a Sicha, well, there it is. Where's the Rebbe when he's saying the Mimer and where's the Rebbe when he's saying the Sicha? Two completely different places. The Rebbe is saying the Maimer is a conduit for a revelation of a particular godly idea. The Rebbe is saying the Sikha is sitting down in Elam Hazer, in the same room with us, talking to us about serving God. The Rebbe's eyes are open during the Sikha. He's looking at us. 
Rabbi's hands are on top of the table during a sicha. It's also very interesting differences between the two. Right? You can see the Rabbi's hand. I mean, it depends where you're sitting or standing, obviously, but the Rabbi's hands are on top of the table. Right? The Rabbi's eyes are open. He's looking around at the people he's talking to. You ever seen a video of the Rabbi saying a mimer? Right, Rabbi's eyes are closed. Rabbi's hands are under the table. What's the Rabbi got in his hand? Right, the Rabbi wraps uh, a handkerchief around his hand. Why? Physical the Rabbi said, in order to maintain a connection to physical reality. Now, the Rabbi's not some guru from California trying to be spiritual. The Rabbi's real. He doesn't do things just to make an effect. Right? Like if, you know, maybe Fox News will pick it up and it'll sound good. He's doing it because it's real. If it's not real, the Rebbe doesn't do it. Okay, so the, the Rebbe actually, and the, 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 no, personally, I never saw that. No one ever saw that, right? Because, I mean, the guys behind, you know, those, when you see videos of Fabrengan, so there's the older gentleman sitting behind. <laughs> some of them actually move at some point during the Fabrengan, some of them don't, right? Okay, so those older gentlemen back there, I remember once, Laser Nanus. Lezernas was a was a chassid. He learned in Temchetimim. He learned in Temchetimim with the Rebbe Shab, and uh, then uh, it was he did a lot of work in Shlichus for the Friedrich Rebbe under the communists. Was uh, arrested in the mid uh, in the mid thirties, right, and spent twenty years in Siberia. Got out alive, Baruch Hashem. And uh, in 1967, so right before or after the war, I don't remember exactly, I'm not sure what it was, either right before the war, right after the war, so he came to Eretz Yisrael. And he lived here for another 30 years until he was 99 and 9 months old. And then he passed away on Tainus Esther, Tav Shin Nun Zayin. He was born on Hey Siva on the day before Shuas and Tav Resh Nun Zayin. So um, he was an amazing guy, and he was someone who, who, who people in Yerushalayim could meet and talk. My wife used to learn with him. I learned, my wife learned with him much more than I did, but I also learned with him, and we used to go visit him and uh, take the kids to see him. He taught my son how to drink L'chaim. My son was eight years old on Purim, so we went to, uh, you know, our oldest son, so we went to, uh, we went to visit with all the kids, and uh, the kids who were around at that point, and um, my son was dressed up in a little Sivas Hashem thing with a Sivas Hashem cap and a mustache and a little beard like he was an old cop or something Badge, I don't know. And and Rav Nanis, uh, said he should drink a lachaim. So you know he's eight. So he gave him like you know this much. So Rav Nanis took and poured him about this much. He's eight year old. Right? He said no, drink, you go drink, drink, little guy, drink. So my son shouted, threw it all back. Didn't phase him. Since then, <laughs> says lachaim's no problem. <laughs> What he did, this little eight-year-old, it was crazy. I mean, we were just, we were, my wife was, you know, the doctor was completely freaked out, like, what's going to happen to this kid? <laughs> so he was Russian, you know, Russians, it's just like water to them. So, so Laser, Laser was a very, very special Jew. So one year, I remember, uh, he went, he was uh, mid-90s, so someone brought him to America. And uh, he couldn't hear very well, so so I walked into seven Shabbos. So I walked into seven seventy early in the morning Shabbos, and and, and Laser was sitting in the front row. There was a seat next to him, so I sat down next to him, and we said Tehillim, and we, we we learned some chassidus together, and then we davened, and uh, I and he couldn't hear Krizatar, so you know I was just following, I was showing him where we were with our, with my finger, where we are in the Chumash. So then after the Fabrengan, I walked him up 
to sit behind the Rebbe. I mean, he was 95 years old. He's allowed to sit behind the Rebbe. I think it's 90 and up. I'm not sure. You know, I feel like it's hard to tell. So he, so I, I t- took him up to, to sit right behind the Rebbe. So he said to me, uh, here, sit here. Zed's dog. So I said, no, there's no way I'm sitting here. This, that's not happening. My beard was Yago's color in those days. I said, I'm not, I'm not sitting here. There's no way. So he said, no, yeah, Zed's dog. I said, laser. If I sit here, I'll never hear the end of it, and they'll probably kill me. You know, the Hasidim will kill me if they see a guy who looks like me, you know, if I was 30. So I said, just sitting here. You know, I'm not sitting here. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Baruch Hashem, I managed to not sit there. I never saw anybody, you know, it happened in the old days. I never saw it. The, 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 twice in the, in the, in the Febrengen, he walked up to the Rebbe, yelled something in the Rebbe's ear. While, while we were singing the Gunim, in between Sichas, he said something to the Rebbe. The Rebbe turned around, said something back to him. He nodded, and he went back to his chair. I don't know what was going on over there, but I never saw anybody do that. In the early days, they used to do it. When Laser was, uh, when Laser got out of Russia... So someone sent him to the Rebbe. He was in mid-70s. Someone sent him to the Rebbe, and he had, uh, he was, he was, how old was he? He was 70. He was 70 years old. So uh, someone bought him a, he came here. So someone bought him a ticket and sent him there. He had never, he had never seen, he had seen the Rebbe when the Rebbe was 12 years old. He had never, he had been to the Rebbe's house. We had never seen the Rebbe. So, um, uh, he, 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 he went into Yechidus and he was walking with uh, one or two canes because he had gangrenous feet. I mean, his feet were all messed up from 20, 20 years in Siberia. So, um, so he was walking with two canes and the rabbi looked at him and said, Lazy, you look like an old man with those two canes. So he said, well, I'm 70. And the rabbi said, no, you're 50. So he didn't want to argue with the Rebbe. But so, he, so he just said to the Rebbe, I was born in Tafresh Nun Zion. And this is Tafshin Chav Zion. I was born in 57, 50, in, in 56, 57. And it's now 57, 27. 70 years. 57 to 27, right? He didn't want to say no. He didn't argue with the Rebbe. But he just said, I was born. And the Rebbe said, you call 20 years in Siberia living? He lived to be 99 years old. Simple shot is the Rebbe gave him back his 20 years. He said, okay, you'll we'll get those back. You're 50. Live to be 99. He was, you know, he had a heart condition and also he couldn't hear and he had a heart condition. But he sat and learned with people all day, every day. People would come in and learn. He didn't have a bell in his house. It was really amazing. He didn't have a bell. You'd press the bell and a light would go on. So he'd see the light. He could hear, you know, he could hear, but not well. His hearing was was, yeah, maybe 20, 30%. Like, you know, Megillah. So the Bachrim used to go read a Megillah and Purim, and they would open the Megillah, and they would, right into his ear, and he would listen, and he'd hear it. <laughs> There's no problem. You had to find the right pitch. If you talked in the right pitch, he'd hear you. So we learned, you know, and I, would, I would ask questions, he'd answer. I mean, at, at 95, he was explaining my marim of the Rebbe Rashab clearly, purpose. That was unbelievable. Okay. So, those guys saw the Rebbe, those guys in the back, they saw the Rebbe take off the handkerchief. We never did. The one time you can see it, you can actually see the video, Erev Shvua, Stavshin Memtes. All right, so Erev Shua Stavshin Memtes, the Rebbe said a mimer suddenly. Um, the Rebbe hadn't said a mimer, well, there was a short mimer Pesach that year, but there hadn't been a mimer for over a year. After the Rebbe passed away, the Rebbe stopped saying my mimer, so the Rebbe just got used to not hearing my mimer. 
The Rebbe said a maimer that sort of turns into a sikh, and it's also very interesting if you listen to it, even if you don't understand it. It's in Yiddish, even if you don't understand it. You listen to it, you'll hear the different nigan of a maimer. All of a sudden, the nigan of the way the Rebbe's speaking changes, and it turns into a sikh. In the middle. It's very interesting. Because there's a different nigan. The maimer and the sikh. And uh, the way the Rebbe says. The says the words. So, so the, the, it happens to be that the Rebbe is standing at the shtender by where the Rebbe davens. So you can see clear, then the, the camera angle is, is 45 degrees. There's a camera on a post in 770. It's always on, taking whatever. So it happened to be all on anyway, but they, you know, and then they focused it on the Rebbe while the Rebbe was speaking. All right, so, so uh, you can see absolutely clearly, because the Rebbe's standing there, and there's nowhere to hide, so to speak. You see clearly the Rebbe take off the handkerchief at the end of the mime. It's the only time I've ever seen even a video of it, anything of it. Certainly couldn't see it when you were in 770 because it was all happening under the table. So now, w- what do we say about a mimer? And the, here you just see the difference between the two. So a mimer is, that's why everybody stood during the mimer. Even the people who had a seat during the Ferbrengen would stand during the mimer. Right? The mimer is considered a, a revelation, a new revelation, not a, not a revelation of a new Torah, a new revelation of Torah. Right, meaning a revelation of a level of Torah that we hadn't hadn't yet uh, experienced. When the when the Rebbeim say a mimer, so I'll just tell you one story. What it means? I mean, the, the simple shot is pretty simple. What it means in a deeper level? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that experience is, but it must be quite an experience. The Rebbe Shab was saying a mimer. He said a mimer. Of course like all the Rebbeim, so there were people who used to write down what the Rebbe said, and then they would take it to the Rebbe, and, look, and the Rebbe would look it over and make sure that what they wrote was what he said, and they would edit it a little and make sure that it was all in order, and, uh, and then it could be given to the Hasidim to, to, to learn and, and, and uh, see and bring with, etc. So the, what they're called Chayzrim, right? The people who review, right? They call Rav the Chayzer, right? Okay. So Rav Yol used to do this with the Rebbe, but also uh, Yossi Jacobson, as a 15-year-old, used to do it. Metzi Shabbos, they would all sit down, a group of people would sit down and write down what the Rebbe said on Shabbos. So they had to have pretty good memories, right? And they'd write, they'd, 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 a few people would sit down and do it. After the Fabrengan in 770 on Shabbos, what would happen? So most people couldn't hear. The Rebbe was older and couldn't make himself heard to everybody in the room. There were a couple of thousand people in the room, no microphone. So most people that were, I stood, I could, I could, I never heard the Rebbe. Very, the odd word here and there, I couldn't hear the Rebbe where I used to stand. So, so, so after the Febrengen, you would go down to the floor of 770 and there would be people who would chazer over the whole Febrengen. It would be one in Yiddish, one in Hebrew, and, and one in English. Sometimes two in Hebrew, sometimes two in English, depending on the crowd. Whether it was a need for more in Hebrew or more in English. And Rabbi Wojcicki used to do it. Label Altan used to do it. Rav Yol used to do it. Right? Different people used to, and they were just good at this. And they were amazing. And you, so you'd sit down, and in an hour they'd go through the whole Febrengen. The Rebbe said a sicha, and the Rebbe asked this question. He gave this answer, and then he quoted this mimer, this this mimer Chazal, and, and asked a question about it. And then brought a medrash and explained the, the sicha quickly, the sichas of the Febrengen. So then Mitzi Shabbos people would sit down and write. They, they'd write it all out. Now it would go into the Rebbe to look at. So after the Rebbe Shab said a mimer. The Chazim wrote it down, and they gave it to the Rebbe to, to look at. The Rebbe Shab looked at it. I heard this story from Rabbi Fitchi Eifin, who's a very <coughs> reasonable source. Uh, the, the Rebbe Shab looked at the, looked at the Mayimur, and he said, but I didn't say that. So they said to the Rebbe, yeah, but, but those two lines, the Rebbe said something very close to two psukim. 
and we just wrote the psukim as they appear in Tanakh, as opposed to what the Rebbe said. Right? Because what the Rebbe, it, it sounded like the Rebbe was quoting those psukim, but just not verbatim, not quite what it says. And so we just wrote down the Pusik as it actually appears. And the Rebbe said, the Rebbe, Rebbe Shab said, that isn't what I heard in Gan Eden. Write what I said. That isn't what I heard in Gan Eden. Where is the Rebbe when he's saying the Mimer? He's in Gan Eden. We're hearing it down here, but he's somewhere else, so to speak. That's what the Rebbe Shab told them. I mean, he said it in those words. So Mimer said this is a completely different experience that for, the, for the Rebbe also than a Sikh. So the Rebbe says a Mimer to us, and then afterwards, and there's, it, it, people always ask, was well, it a Mimer and a Sikh? Well, you want to know, look at this Sikh. After saying the Mimer, the Rebbe goes, whoa. That's crazy. Who can do that? Well, you said it. Well, sort of. <laughs> yes. Pretty astounding. So now the Rebbe brings a, a story that is the wildest story I can ever. I, I don't. I don't. I, it's, it's a mad. It's, it's a crazy story, and it's even wilder that the Rebbe would tell us the story. But this is what the Rebbe says. Look at this story. Free the Rebbe told. I mean, the Rebbe told him. Told the Rebbe. It's not in the Sikha, the Frida Rebbe. It's clearly something the Rebbe told the Rebbe. Sha'oviv, a Rebbe Nishmasedim. His father, the Rebbe Nishmasedim. I mean, the Rebbe Shab. Amarloi. The Rebbe Shab said to his son, the Frida Rebbe. Shalifamim. Sometimes, now it's a funny word to use here. Svarotzen. You know, Sviya Sratan is what we just said you can never have. So it, it means here, he, you know, not that he was satisfied with Zavayda. It means it's sometimes that he's happy. I mean, he's not upset. That he has a sore stomach. And he has to go to the washroom. Rabbi Shab said this to his son. Sometimes I'm happy to go to the washroom. Why? When he's in a place, that based on Din, Potter, whom he call in Yon he can't do any Aveda there. Ah, it's his ability as lafush Larega to rest for a minute. To rest for a minute from his incredible extent, exertion of effort in serving God. You can't do it in that room. He comes a little bit to himself. In other words, meaning he has a moment he can just take a breath and rest. That's the Rebbe Shab saying that. So now we'll talk about that in a second, but we'll, we'll first we'll have to see why the Rebbe's bringing it. Right? Meaning these, these, these people called Rebbeim aren't robots? They aren't just angelic robots who do what they do without any reality that we might in some way, shape, or form be able to relate to? Evidently not. Right, which is really which, which makes it even more astounding. So, but, but let, before we come back to the story, because the story is obviously a wild story. I mean, the, the Rebbe tell the story is even wilder. Right. So, why is the Rebbe bring the story? And if such things are said, if this is said even regarding tzaddikim and the Israel, leaders of the Jewish people, meaning even the Rebbe Shab. 
Not that he ever took any time off if he wasn't in that room, which is interesting. But even he could use a minute to just take a breath and... <sighs> when would he do that? Only when he was in the place where you weren't allowed to do what you're really supposed to be doing. <sighs> but he would do that. Why? Because for the Rebbeim, it's also hard work. Now, their hard work is different than our hard work because they're completely different than us. But they're working hard doing what they're supposed to do in terms of being a shaliach of the Ebrister in Elam Hazet to take care of the Jewish people. And that's a 24-7 job, and they're doing it every moment, meaning when the Rebbe said that you have to spend every moment on guard, well, certainly the, <laughs> the Rebbeim do that. And, and somehow in their realm, it's different, different than us, but on their level, so that's also extremely hard work. It's not something that they do the way you and I walk down the street, so, so serving God the way they're supposed to is like a walk in the street. Absolutely not. It's incredibly difficult work. Right? Now, it's, it's a different Aveda. The Aveda of a tzaddik is different than the Aveda of the aspiring Benoni. They're not dealing with a Yetzirah and an Evers is the way we are. Okay, it's a completely different reality. But it's still extremely difficult and takes constant vigilance to maintain a connection to what's needed. Not the way you and I, not the way it takes you and I a, a, a tremendous amount of effort because you and I have this other voice in our head telling us not to do it. They don't have that other voice in their head telling, us, telling them not to do it or telling them to be mediocre at it. That voice doesn't exist. But there's still it's it's still very very difficult, as a neshama and a goof to be, to not sleep, not eat, and take care of the Jewish people twenty four seven, the world at large. Right? One simple small example, that's that's small but still noticeable or, or, or worthy of note, notable. Rabbi Groner told me that that now and then, not now and then, that you know often. After dollars, we have to give out dollars on Sunday mornings for three, four, five, sometimes six hours, usually four or five hours. Then when the Rebbe finished, so the Rebbe would walk into the Rebbe's office and they would put the Rebbe's right wrist in ice to bring down the swelling. So the Rebbe's wrist was so swollen. Okay, it's seven minutes to the end of class. Put your elbow on the table and move your arm like this for the next seven minutes and see what it feels like. You'll start to feel your bicep and you'll feel that. You'll start to feel your arm a little bit. Now do that for four hours straight. And you're 85 years old or 90 years old, right? I mean, but that's not sort of part of the equation so much. Right. And we know the Rebbe's feet used to hurt. So the Rebbe's standing there for four or five hours. Now, is the Rebbe noticing that? Of course not. What's the Rebbe noticing? The neshambas that are walking by. That's just not part of the equation at all. But it's happening. Right. It, it, it's happening in Gashmias. It's not part of what's happening in the Rebbe's consciousness in any way, shape, or form. So that takes a vaida. That's work. That's hard work. Yeah. Okay. Quite astounding. Right. Have I ever stopped dollars because his arm hurt? <laughs> it's like it's, it's funny to even think it's like it's such a ridiculous idea. Right. Okay. So that's work. It's hard work. Right. 
once the the the, the secretary of the of the I believe the tzemach tzedek I believe it was the tzemach tzedek made some comment about the tzemach tzedek sweating a lot and how his clothes were wet and tzemach tzedek relieved him of his duties and but before he did he explained to him said when someone comes in to talk to me I have to take off my clothes and put on his clothes in order to relate to his reality. Then when he finishes talking, I have to take off his clothes and put on my clothes in order to give him an answer coming from the place he wants the answer from. Then I have to take off my clothes and put on his clothes in order to relay the answer to him in a way that's useful for him and that he can relate to. When you change your clothes that many times in the course of a day, you'll probably sweat. That's what the Rebbe said. That's not hard work. Right? Meaning, what would be easier? Sit and learn Torah. <laughs> Forget about all these people. Let them deal with whatever they're dealing with. Yeah, I'll, I'll help them. How will I help them? I'll say a bunch of Torah to them, and that'll help them. They'll figure it out themselves. No, no, how come the Rebbe also meet us eye to eye and talk to us? Help us out. Okay. That's a, it takes an unbelievable amount of energy to do that. Rabbi Groner once, it was for bringing in London, Lug Be'emer, well, the Sunday was Lug Be'emer, and the Shabbos before Lug Be'emer, one of our shulchim got married in, in, in London on that Lug Be'emer, and uh, so I went to the Chasna. And uh, so that Shabbos, and he married Rabbi Yitzhak David Groner from Australia's granddaughter. So he, Rabbi Groner from Australia was not well enough to come, so Rabbi Groner from New York, his younger brother, labeled, so he came. So, uh, so uh, the, the Rebbe's secretary. So Rabbi Groner came, and he was for bringing in London on Shabbos afternoon. Now, Shabbos afternoon, Lag Bremer time in London, so it was a seven-hour for bringing, because it's, ne- I, I mean, Shabbos just never ends. Right? You sit down at two o'clock or one o'clock after davening, you sit until eight, and there's still time to go eat for two hours and, you know, have a little shluff and come back from him. <laughs> it just stays light until 10 o'clock. So, so we've, we, he was sat in for bringing till eight o'clock at night, and uh, one of the stories he told was really, really, it's fa- it, it wasn't so much a story, he was talking about a certain Indian. He was talking about what used to happen at the end of Yechidus by the Rebbe. The Rebbe, the, I was never in Yechidus by the Rebbe, in Yechidus in the Rebbe's room, but they all say, and you can see this when you see a mimer, there was a certain face that the Rebbe had when the Rebbe said a mimer, where, where the Rebbe's face was actually more colored, more almost reddish when the Rebbe would say a mimer. And they say in, in Yechidus that the Rebbe's face also was, was very, like, almost red. Not red, red, but I mean, there was a, it, it was clear that it, it was less white, the Rebbe's face. And, uh, and um, that's, that's what the Rebbe used to look like when he went into Yechidus, everybody said. So um, Rabbi Groner said something really fascinating, that when he would walk in and tell the Rebbe that, it's, there's no one. There's no one else coming in. He said, "This is after. This is from nine o'clock at night until three, four, five in the morning. Seeing people nonstop. Once the Rebbe's voice was sore, and uh, the Rebbe was speaking hoarsely, and Rabbi Groner came in and told the Rebbe that maybe the Rebbe should have a cup of tea. That he'll stop the line for ten minutes, and the Rebbe can have a t- cup of tea. And the Rebbe said, the Rabbi he told us at the same for Brangen because he was talking about Yechidus." said that the, the Rebbe said to him, 
why should that these people wait in line a long time? Why should they have to wait another 10 minutes so I can have a cup of tea? I, why should the Rebbe spend six, seven, eight, nine hours speaking to people and you know, not drinking a cup of tea? Right? That wasn't part of the equation. The equation was those people, not the Rebbe. It had nothing to do with him, it had to do with them. So why should they wait? They've been waiting for two, three hours. Why should they wait another 10 minutes, the Rebbe said. So there was no tea. So, uh, so Rabbi Gordon would come in, he said he would walk in and say, no more. He said, whenever that happened, the Rebbe's shoulders would slump in the chair, and all the blood would just drain out of the Rebbe's face. He said you could almost see it. The Rebbe would just turn white and look absolutely exhausted. So he said, that's what used to happen after your Yechidus. He said once, and it's interesting because one of the people was standing there, Rabbi Groner's nephew from South Africa, Sholem Bear, who was on Shlichus in South Africa. The son of Rabbi Gronin from Australia, that's why he was there. His cousin was getting married. So, uh, so Rabbi Gronin then told the story that he once had walked in and told the Rebbe that uh, it was over. And Rabbi Gronin walked outside and he saw his brother and this son standing there, clearly thinking that they were going into Yechidus. And the Rebbe came out in his coat, ready to go home. The Rebbe saw Rabbi Groner, meaning not the secretary, the Rabbi Groner from Australia, and his son, and he asked them, you came for your chiddus? So they didn't want to say yes, because they saw the Rebbe was going home. But they weren't going to say no, because they weren't going to lie. So they didn't just sort of, you know, didn't say anything, sort of mumbled. All right? So the Rebbe said, a minute. The Rebbe went into the room, took off his coat, Rabbi Gurner walked in. Rabbi sat there for a minute or two. Rabbi Gurner said when he let his brother in, Rabbi's face had that color again. Rabbi talked to them. They left. Rabbi Gurner walked in. <sighs> Put on his coat and went home. Took a few minutes for the Rabbi to get back to where he had to be to talk to them. So he said, just give me a minute. It's hard. I don't know what that work is. I haven't got a clue, but that's hard work. And, and takes its toll. So that's what the Rebbe Shabbos said. So what's the Rebbe saying? So if this is Shayachti, Rebbeim, Bavadai, Bavadai, second line, Kasha, wait, we missed two important words. He said, if these things are said even relative to Tzadikim and the Sea Israel, even big Tzadikim, so then the Rebbe has the law, Nashim Kerkenu, so then people like us, <laughs> The Rebbe's, you know, the Rebbe said us. I mean, he put himself in with us. Certainly this is difficult. An incredible thing. That there should be the exertion of effort and, 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 and yeah, different words for effort. In our Veda, between this constantly, like the Rebbe asked for in page 332. To such an extent to such an extent that there wouldn't, there won't be satisfaction. This is crazy. How can we possibly even the Rebbe Shab finds this hard? So people like us, Venishella Sefer Ashila. So amazing. The Rebbe is asking a question on his own mimer. Venishella Sefer Ashila, and therefore it's asked the question. Kate said, "Yesh, how is it that there is lekol echad veechad misrael to every single Jew a kayachal inyan nailekazad the ability to do such an incredibly lofty thing?" And the Rebbe gives a one and a half line answer. The minor the answer is, Shagam in Yanim Nailim Even the loftiest things, 
Shayachim l'kol echad v'echad m'Yisrael are relevant to every single Jew. Because of the incredible powers that are given to each and every Jew from above. End of answer. Then the Rebbe says, and we can see this in the Parsha, and the Rebbe explains in Indian and Parsha's Mishpatim that, but that's the answer. The answer is Kacha. It, it just is. All right? It's just possible. Why? Because you are who you are. Right? And the Abishta helps you do what you have to do if you, if you, if you, as the Mimer told us, right? That the, after the Rebbe took out our Kishkas, so then the Rebbe said that, that the Mispar Yemecha Male also comes from above, that if we do what we can do down below and we do it in an, in an earnest way and in an honest way and in a real way, so then the Abishta gives us Kishkas from above to fill in the blanks in our Veda. Okay? Say that. So that's the Sikha that the Rebbe said right after this Mimer, which is really just Pasha, unbelievable. Whoa, who can do that? You just said that. Well, yes and no. <laughs> yes, the Rebbe is the one who said it, but it's not exactly, it's not coming from the Rebbe's Seichel and the Rebbe's Midas. That's not where it's coming from. A Sikha is the Rebbe speaking to his Chassidim based on everything the Rebbe knows and, and, and understands and thinks about, etc., etc. That's a Sikha. A Mimer is uh, the Rebbeim being a conduit for a certain revelation of Torah. That's a Mimer. Right? For that reason, the eyes are closed and there's a connect- need for a connection to Elam is it you know disconnect from the world on a certain level? Rebbe Shab explained. Okay, so we didn't do the review of the mimer. That we'll do tomorrow morning. We'll go through the mimer from beginning to end. Just a, a quick review, and if there's time, then you guys can spend the rest of tomorrow doing that. And then we will start a, a mimer called Atta Tetzava, which is a very very important mimer. It's a mimer about Purim, but it's about much more than just Purim. But it's a month to Purim, so uh, so we'll we'll say it, 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 it's a Purim mimer, but it's about a lot more than Purim. It also happens to be the last mimer that the Rebbe gave us to learn. By the, as we said, after the Rebbetzin passed away, so the, the Rebbe stopped saying mimerim. So the, the Rebbe used to give us mimerim. He would edit previously said mimerim and give us those mimerim to learn. So this is the last mimer the Rebbe gave us to learn, Purim Katan Tavshin Nun Beis. Tavshin Nun Beis was a leap year, so the 15th of other Aleph, the Rebbe gave us this mimer to learn, and, and uh, then the Rebbe got sick. Uh, Twelve days later, so uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see that. It's an incredibly, it's an amazing map. So we'll see that. We'll start that after we do a review of this tomorrow. We'll start that on Thursday. Okay.